You sound like a broken record. You're a jerk, you know that? It's also possible for a lawyer to be just plain stupid, isn't it? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about language again. Anybody who's been listening for a while knows that I love words and language, and I'm just fascinated by the turns of phrase that we used to have and that we have now, and the origins of old sayings and old words. So we're going to talk a little more about that today. I'm focusing this week on phrases that I grew up with that we used to say and we don't say anymore for a variety of reasons. You know, language has phases and there are fad words that come up, but there's also phrases that we used to use every day and we no longer use them, or we use them, but we don't know why we use them. And the phrase that inspired this week's episode popped into my head earlier this week. I was actually getting ready to start family game night on the stream, and I usually start about 9.30. And what popped into my head for the first time in a long time was the phrase half past nine. I remember my grandmother used to say, well, it's half past nine, which meant 9.30. And it occurred to me I hadn't heard anybody say half past nine in a long time. And I think that's a function of the way we tell time these days. Now, when I grew up, clocks were big, but I'm not talking digital clocks. We had nothing but analog clocks. You know, the clock with 1 through 12 on a dial. We had clocks. We had wristwatches. Every clock had a face. That's what it's called, the face of the clock. But when you think about it these days, we don't have clocks like we used to. Clocks are on our phones. They're on our computers. They're on our tablets. If we want to look at the time, we see, oh, it's 9.12. Oh, it's 9.30. Oh, it's 9.45. When I was growing up, we learned to tell time looking at the face of a clock. We learned an hour was 60 minutes, a half hour was 30 minutes. We also learned quarter hours. Who learns quarter hours anymore? But a quarter hour was 15 minutes. I mean, basic math, right? 15 minutes is a quarter of 60 minutes. It's weird to think about it, but that's the way we learned it. We had a face of a clock and we would divide it. I remember doing this in school. We would divide the face in half. 12 and 6 are the dividing line. So a half hour is 30 minutes from 12 to 6 or from 6 to 12. Obviously from 3 to 9 as well, but you get the point. So when my grandmother would say half past 9, I knew instantly what she was talking about. When my mother said, I'll be picking you up at quarter of, we knew what that meant. But I remember talking to my kids about picking them up at quarter of, and they looked at me like I had three heads. Quarter of? Quarter what? Wait, quarter, what? You're giving me a quarter? When I was growing up, quarter of meant 15 minutes to whatever hour you were talking about. My kids didn't learn to tell time the way I learned to tell time. So saying quarter of was like speaking German. So you don't hear people say half past nine or quarter of ten anymore because of the way we learned to tell time. Another phrase from my youth was roll up the windows. We always said that in the car, roll up the windows. And we kind of say that now, although most of the time we just say close the window or put up the window. But the phrase roll up the window comes from the days when cars had a little crank on the inside of the door and you literally had to crank the window closed. How many of you have been in an older car that has a crank on the door where you had to crank the window shut? Probably not many because most cars have power windows now. When I was a kid, power windows were a luxury. The only time I saw a power window was when my grandfather, my dad's dad, came to visit us at the house, and he had a Cadillac. And Cadillacs were fancy, fancy cars back in the day. 
Not that they're not now, but back in the day, Cadillac was top of the line, and they had power windows. Your basic Chevy, your basic Ford, your basic Chrysler, you had to crank up the windows. And so the phrase, roll up the window, came from actually having to roll the crank on the door to put the window up. So people don't really roll up the windows anymore. They put up the windows, they close the windows, but they don't roll them up anymore. But I will tell you, I had a great time playing with the power windows in my grandfather's car. That's also when I learned there were locks for power windows. My grandfather didn't like us playing with the windows. But when I was a kid, a power window was cool. Nowadays, it's standard. Another phrase from my youth, hold your horses. My grandmother would say that. My mother would say that. Hold your horses. That meant stop what you're doing. Slow down or be patient. I don't hear too many people say hold your horses anymore. That comes from back in the day before we had cars. Our only mode of transportation was horses. And so if you told somebody to hold your horses, you were telling them to stop. Stop what you're doing. Wait a minute. But not too many people are holding their horses anymore. The same with the phrase, you sound like a broken record. Now, records are making a comeback. You know, the vinyl records. People talk about their vinyl collections now. I have an original vinyl collection from my childhood. It's tons and tons of vinyl records. But before vinyl, records were largely made of a product called shellac. Now, shellac is a thick substance that you could press the grooves into where you would get the sounds off of an old record player. In case you don't know, you had to run a needle around the disc and that would pick up the sounds. And shellac was a hard substance that when it was warm, you could press the groove into. But shellac would break. It was a very fragile product. You had to handle records very carefully. And a record could break. And if you were trying to play the record, the needle would skip and repeat the same line over and over again. Same would happen on a vinyl record if you scratched it. You have to handle vinyl records very carefully because they can scratch, they can warp. So the phrase, you sound like a broken record, comes from the fact that a sound would repeat itself if the record was broken or scratched. So when my mom used to say to me, you sound like a broken record, after the 17th time that I asked her to take me to the mall, that's what she was talking about. We don't talk about broken records too much anymore, because we don't have records to break. You can't even really say, you sound like a scratched CD, because we don't use those anymore either. Plus, that doesn't sound as cool. Another phrase from my childhood, I've been through the ringer. You may have heard that, but maybe you haven't. I know what that means because my grandmother had a washing machine with a ringer on it in her basement. Now, if you've never seen one of those, you can Google what a ringer looks like. And this isn't a ringer, R-I-N-G-E-R. This is a ringer, W-R-I-N-G-E-R, where you would wring the water out of your laundry. And to visualize what a ringer is, you have to picture two rollers put really close together on a metal frame. And the rollers are bolted into the frame on an axle. And there's about a half inch, maybe an inch of clearance between the two ringers. And what you would do is you would take your wet clothes out of the washing machine. I use machine in its broadest sense because it wasn't really a machine like we know now. It was a tub that you would put soap in, but we won't go into too much detail on that because I'm sure you don't need a history of washing machines. Suffice it to say, your clothes would be soaking wet and you would want to get the water wrung out of them. And to do that, you would use a wringer. So you would take each piece of clothing and feed it between these two rollers and there was a crank next to it. And when you cranked the crank, it would feed the clothes through the wringer and it would smoosh the clothes so that you would squeeze all the water out of them. And then you'd take them outside to dry because there weren't dryers. You would just hang them up on the line outside. But you didn't want to hang a soaking wet shirt or towel or whatever out on the line. Number one, it would take forever to dry. And number two, too many heavy wet clothes would break your clothesline. 
So the process of doing laundry included smooshing your clothes through a wringer. So when somebody says, oh, I feel like I've been through the wringer, they've had a really rough day or a rough week or a rough meeting or whatever. And that comes from the fact that it feels like you've been squeezed through two wooden rollers so that all of the liquid is squeezed out of you. When I was a kid, feeling like you've been through the ringer was a standard thing. You don't hear too much about people feeling like they've been through the ringer anymore. Another phrase from my childhood, you're cruising for a bruising. If we were acting up, my dad would look at us and say, you're cruising for a bruising. It didn't sound bad, it rhymed, but it had a really clear meaning to us. You kids are going to get a beating if you don't knock it off. Parents probably don't say you're cruising for a bruising anymore because Child Protective Services would be on the phone in a New York minute. But when I was a kid, if my dad said, you're cruising for a bruising, we knew we had to knock it off. Another phrase from my childhood, don't touch that dial. You'd hear that on TV. You'd hear that on the radio when they didn't want you to change the channel. That comes from back in the days when the television or the radio actually had a dial on it. And by dial, it's a little knob that you would physically have to turn to change the channel, whether it was on the TV or the radio. Nowadays, we don't have dials on things anymore. You either have a remote where you can push a little button, or you have touch-sensitive little pads that you can hit with your finger and make the channel change. Or you can talk into your remote and say, put on the Golden Girls, and the TV will automatically switch to the Golden Girls. But back when I was a kid, we didn't even have remote controls. I was the remote control. My dad would say, Gamer Dude, go put on Channel 4 for me, please. And our job as kids was to go up and switch the channel. I think one of the reasons my parents had kids was so they didn't have to get up and switch the TV channel. But when you heard the phrase on a TV show, don't touch that dial, they didn't want you getting up and switching off the show because they didn't want you to miss anything, most especially the commercials. But they didn't want you to miss any of the show either. But you don't hear people say, don't touch that dial anymore. In addition to the phrases when I was a kid, we had a bunch of words that we used to use, that you no longer hear anymore or hear very rarely. For instance, mega. Mega was a big thing when I was growing up. Now, mega means big, but we would use it to modify anything. Like there was a sandwich place that we used to go to. They didn't just make sandwiches. They made mega sandwiches. The sandwiches were so huge. Oh, Tony, you got to go over there. They make mega sandwiches. If you went to a concert, you wanted to sit right in front of the speakers because it was mega loud. A billionaire wasn't just rich, he was mega rich. Oh, we used mega all the time. That was our modifier for everything, but only for a few years. Then mega just disappeared. Another use that disappeared, pad. We're not talking a lily pad for a frog. We're not talking an iPad to watch movies on. When I was growing up, people would talk about their home or their apartment as being a cool pad. Hey, come over to my pad. We'll have some drinks, okay? I have no idea where that came from. But if you ever watch movies from the 60s or the 70s or some of the old TV shows too, they talk about going to somebody's pad. Now we watch movies on our pad. Back in the day, we watched movies in our pad. Another word we used when I was growing up that we don't use the same way anymore, bread. Now I'm not talking about a loaf of bread. I'm not talking about pumpernickel bread. I'm not talking about rye bread. When I was growing up, bread was a slang term for money, cash. This is another one of those, I don't know why bread became a synonym for money. But when I was growing up, if you said, oh, I need some bread, man, you weren't looking for a sandwich. You needed some cash. To which my dad would say, well, go get a job. But bread was synonymous with money. Don't know why. It's not anymore. Another great word that I grew up with that we don't use anymore, fink. A fink was like an informer or someone you can't trust. Oh, don't be a fink, man. Don't tell the teacher what's going on. 
basically Fink was my day's version of narc. A Fink would tell on you. And if you were a really bad Fink, you were a rat Fink. You didn't ever want to be a rat Fink. Being a Fink was bad enough. Being a rat Fink? There's no coming back from being a rat Fink. So if you had the reputation of being a Fink, you were in serious trouble. Another word that we don't use quite the same? Bogart. Now you guys know I love my movies and I'm quite familiar with Humphrey Bogart. Bogart at one point became an actual verb. You know, English lesson here. Action word. You would tell somebody not to Bogart the onion dip because I need to get my chips into it. Bogart meant somebody was hogging something or monopolizing it or not letting anybody else take advantage of it. And basically, it comes from the fact that Humphrey Bogart in his movies would have a cigarette dangling from his mouth for much longer than was healthy. I mean, any length of time is not healthy, but he would have that cigarette dangling there for a long period of time. So if somebody is Bogarting the onion dip, they're hogging it, man. They're holding on to it, and they're not giving it up. Another name from entertainment that we used was Goober. I don't know if you remember the old Andy Griffith show or Gomer Pyle. Gomer had a cousin, Goober. And Goober was a very friendly, but very dim-witted kind of guy. I mean, you couldn't help but like Goober, but he was as dumb as a post. So we would use Goober to describe somebody who was friendly, but dumb as a post. Like if somebody screwed up a presentation in English class, for instance. What a Goober. He didn't call him a jerk if he was a friend of yours, but you would definitely call him a Goober. What a Goober you are. And if you've never seen Goober, go catch some reruns of Andy Griffith. You will understand Goober in a heartbeat. We also had the term burnout when I was growing up. If you describe somebody as a burnout, everybody knew what you were talking about. These days, if you're burned out, you've worked too hard. You got too much on your plate at work. You're burned out from all the work they've given you at school. When I was growing up, if you were a burnout, you spent way too much time using illegal herbs and spices or other illicit substances. Basically, you're a drug addict. Oh, Betty, you do not want to date Stan. He is such a burnout. That's how you would use burnout. Oh, stay away from him. He's a burnout. The high school that I went to, we actually had a smoking patio because you were allowed to smoke in school, but not in school itself. You could go to the patio and have a cigarette between classes. Yeah, that's how different it was when I was growing up. So any of the smokers would go to the patio and have a cigarette, but there was a special corner of the patio where all of the burnouts would gather and everybody knew who they were. You don't talk about burnouts too much anymore, at least not that way. But if you had the reputation of a burnout, we knew what you were talking about. We also used to say burn rubber. Obviously very different from a burnout. If you were burning rubber, you were stomping on the gas in your car and squealing the tires. That was a big thing when I was a kid. Burning rubber. Jump in your hot rod, hit the gas, squeal those tires, and make the rubber burn. So if you wanted to leave someplace in a hurry, let's burn rubber. Let's get out of here really quick. That's what it meant. And you would burn rubber in a car that was choice. That's another word that we used in a way that we don't use it anymore. If you had a really nice car, a really fancy ride, it was choice. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't awesome. It wasn't incredible. It wasn't beautiful. It was a choice ride. By the way, ride is another word that we don't use that way anymore. When I was growing up, your car was your ride. Wow, dude, that's a choice ride. And if somebody ever came up to your choice ride, put a scratch on it, bumped into it, put a dent in the fender, you would threaten them with a knuckle sandwich. Another phrase we don't use very much anymore. Get away from my ride, jerk, or I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich. Which means you're going to punch him in the face, of course. Sadly, we don't talk about knuckle sandwiches too much anymore. It was a simpler time. Everybody knew what a knuckle sandwich was, and if you got threatened with a knuckle sandwich, you knew you either had to put up your dukes, there's another phrase that we don't use anymore, put up your dukes, 
which meant get ready to fight or get ready to walk away. So if somebody said, come here, I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich, you had to put up your dukes or walk away. Meanwhile, the kid who was watching the fight develop would be the fink if he went and told the teachers. See how I did that? Called it right back to the fink. He'd probably be a rat fink if he went and told the assistant principal, too. That's next-level finkdom. But after that fight broke up, or if it didn't take place at all, you would tell your buddy, All right, man, I'm going to catch you on the flip side. Another phrase that we don't use anymore. Now, I don't know what it means. I just know that we said it. All right, man, catch you on the flip side. Gotta go. Catch you on the flip. That's how we'd say it for short. I don't know where it came from, and I've looked. I'm not sure that anybody really knows where catch you on the flip side comes from. But boy, that was a big phrase when I was growing up. Catch you on the flip, man. I really think we should start catching people on the flip. I miss catching people on the flip. All right, I got one more for you. I'm not exactly sure why this was a phrase. I'm pretty sure that it was never applied to me. But when I was growing up, an extremely handsome and desirable man would be called a stud muffin. Oh, he's such a stud muffin. Oh, look at that stud muffin. I hope he takes off his shirt. I don't know why guys became stud muffins. Maybe it's a little softer than a stud. I don't know. But when I was growing up, the ultimate compliment to a man, calling him a stud muffin. And I guess being compared to a pastry, not necessarily a bad thing. That's just a small sampling of some of the phrases and the words that we used to use when I was growing up. Mrs. Gamerdude and I laugh and talk about some of the phrases these days. She hates it when I go, whatevs. That's just one of the many phrases from these days that I'm sure will be in disfavor in another 10 or 15 years. Whatevs. Oh, that's sick. That's another one that we use now that'll be gone in another 10 or 15 years. And we'll look back and say, oh, remember when we used to say sick, but didn't mean sick, but we meant sick? It's the same thing with choice. It's the same thing with bread. Each generation defines its language the way it wants and uses words however they see fit. Nothing wrong with that. It's just the way it is. And you guys know me. I love this language stuff. I have a whole bunch of phrases that pre-existed me that I think we should bring back. But I'm going to save those for another episode of the podcast because there's a lot of them. Oh yes, I've done digging. I've done my research. Stuff that my grandmother and great-grandmother said. I think we should bring some of those phrases back. There's so many colorful phrases from back in the day. I mean, back in the old, old, old days, even before my time. I don't want to do a spoiler for that episode, but I'll give you a little preview. A guy might say, ah, excuse me, I got to go iron my shoelaces. That was his way of excusing himself to the restroom, because we didn't talk about restrooms in public back then, so we would go iron our shoelaces. That's the beauty of language. You can have it mean anything, and everybody understands what you mean. It's pretty cool. That's why I'm fascinated with it. And that's why I like to talk about it. And that's why I do these episodes. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for spending your time with me. I really do appreciate it. And I can't thank you enough for your support. You guys are choice. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.